21st Century Entrepreneurship with Martin Piskarik. Where I'm at today with, with Podmatch is actually what I'm doing full-time. So I'm a full-time podcast host and podcast service provider, and that's, that's what I do. And it's something that I just really kind of fell into almost, which sounds weird for an entrepreneur to say because so many of us are used to having an idea that just really worked well for us. But for me, I just really fell in love with podcasts. When I launched my show, it did very well. I had the opportunity to get on some stages and that helped me build a name in podcasting. And from then, we just decided, me and a business partner, to launch Podmatch, which is a service that automatically connects podcast guests and hosts together for interviews. It's like super similar to like an online dating app. But instead of connecting people for dates, we're connecting them for interviews. And so we built that and this is what I'm doing full time and absolutely loving it. Now, obviously there was a journey to get there, right? Like Martin, like it didn't just happen overnight. Like I'm not, absolutely. I didn't just like step into it here. Um, and I think that if I go back to my younger self, because it did take me a while to get here. I, I left the corporate world at 32 years old is when I finally decided to move on. And I did 15 years. So like I started toward the end of high school is when I got into corporate. And I, all along, I really had this dream to do something. And so if I go back to my earlier self, so let's just say the guy who was 17 about to get out of high school, going back to that age, I would tell myself not to be afraid to take chances and spend money. Because I think I, I, I developed this mindset of, I need to save my money. Uh, when I was real young, my parents, they, they weren't doing very well when I was young. They ended up being very successful when I was real young. They, I, mean, I remember we lived in like a one bedroom apartment at one point. Like we you know, I had, I had three younger brothers. Like there was a lot of us. So like they were saving every penny they could. And I think that early on I grabbed onto that mindset. So I, I got nervous to test anything that involved money. But if I could tell my younger self something, you know what, spend the money to try something. If you lose it, you can make it again. And also be willing just to take risks. Like don't don't sit behind a corporate desk because it's convenient. Now, if you like it, stay. But for me, it was one of those things I think that I just needed someone to push and tell me like, hey, you, you can get out and you can do this. But that's what I go back and tell my younger self. And you wrote you were introvert? Uh, early on, yeah. You know, I, really? I like to think I'm I think I'm more extroverted now, but when I was young, yeah, I was more. I was a shy guy. I mean, so I, I grew up and my parents my mom actually homeschooled me and my brothers. And uh, I think just naturally because of that, oh, okay. I wasn't used to being around a lot of people. So I would say I was I was pretty introverted, but then as I got older and started getting out and I remember like the first time I got on a stage, I, I just realized I actually did love being in front of people, not just on stage, but just being around people. I was energized from it. So I don't know if that shifted or if I just never knew who I really was. But yeah, I did start off as an introvert, I'd say for sure, at least live my life that way. What was your transformational process from being introvert to being, well, let's say extrovert or being yeah like am today. yeah ambivert or whatever it is right yeah. I, I imagine i'm probably more extroverted than anything else you know it was really a bit of a self-discovery time in my life it was actually in my early 20s 
So when I was in my early 20s, I just had some some business stuff that I decided to try like on the side and stuff like that. Things that just didn't go well, unfortunately. Um, and that's what got me into the corporate world. But during that shift, that transition, I started going to... I went to a local church actually. So I started going there and I was kind of the guy who would sit in the back real quiet. But then I met some people and as they brought me out of my shell, if you will, like I just started realizing how much I enjoyed talking. And also people thought it was really funny, which is interesting, Martin, because I still don't consider myself like a really funny guy, but people thought I was like fun and funny to be around. And I ended up like thriving off of that. It was like the first time in my life I started feeling really energized. Like that didn't seem to exist before that. I, I thought I was a very mellow, calm person. If you ask my mom, she still thinks I'm that way um, until she's like, wow, you're really, you're loud, man. What's up with you? But uh, it's just something that I really, I feel like I came, like, came out of my shell at that, that age in my early 20s. And that's really helped me develop who I am today. You have an amazing mind and as I can see a great body. So do, do you have a specific daily routine? Are you in any sport activities? What's your daily routine? Man, I appreciate you saying that. I actually, time of recording this, I just got over having COVID. And for the first of my life, I actually spent seven weeks off of working out. And for a few of those weeks, I hardly even ate. So I'm actually 10 pounds lighter than I usually am. So the fact that you said that, you totally just made my day. So thank you. Um, but yeah, no, I, what's really important to me is a self-development strategy. And that's, a, that's made in daily habits. So I call it a strategy because it's something that I do every single day. And I'm always kind of tweaking it. But it's, it's not just physical. It's also mental. So yes, I actually do work out every day. And I make sure it's around the same time. It's right in the middle of my day, which is kind of rare. But I find that I'm the most creative before I work out, like early in the morning. And then after I work out, I kind of get like a second boost. So I used to work on the evenings, but then I wanted to work because I had all these ideas running through my head. So I moved it to earlier in the day. So that way I could actually get like, it's like a like double dipping on my day, right? Like in the morning, I'm really creative. And then right after I work out, I'm feeling that way again, like really energized. And I know there's science behind that, that maybe you're familiar with Martin. I'm not as familiar with it, but I'm sure there's something there. But additionally, I just holistically want to make sure that I'm always growing in my life. And I really grabbed on this idea of 1% better every day just 1% better every day. So with my fitness, it doesn't mean I'm going for a new PR every day, but maybe I'll do one more rep than I did yesterday, or I'll try something different. And with my own self, it's like, you know what? Maybe I'll, I'll, I'll wake up one minute earlier, like something really small. But every day, I just know if I do 1% better in a year from now, I'll wake up potentially a different person, or at least someone that's more positioned to succeed in the way that I want to in my life. So I'm just very focused on that sort of thing. And it's, it's really important to me to make sure that every single day I'm focused on that. So regarding 1% of being better every day in the context of self-discovery and self-development, any tips and tricks? Yeah. First and foremost, I'm glad you asked that, Martin. First and foremost, I think that you have to somehow log it. Like you have to somehow keep track of it. Because I think a lot of us, we just have this idea that we're going to wake up and, and be somewhere one day. I, there is no one on earth who's ever woke up in five years from now and been like, oh my gosh, I'm super successful. What happened? Or look at me, I'm super ripped. You know, like I've been working out a lot. Like, or I haven't been, but somehow I got really ripped. Like nobody ever says that stuff. It's always some sort of intentional action. And I believe that if we value something, that we're going to actually track it. We're going to see what happens. And I say that because there's a quote that I love, and it's unspecific goals lead to unspecific results. So if you're not actually keeping track of what you're doing, then that, that's going to really hinder you. So for me, like I know this is an audio podcast, but right now I'm holding something in front of Martin. This is my journal. I write in this thing every single day. And I make sure that I'm intentionally going in the right direction. 
Now, along with that, I do keep because I'm, I'm like a super type A personality when it comes to staying organized. I have like a small checklist I go through every day. So I have like a morning routine. I have an afternoon routine and an evening routine. I make sure that I do those things every single day. And those are the things that I've pinpointed for myself to be the best things that I can do to continue to push forward in my own life. Any tipping points in your journal? Yeah, I mean, I, there's there's ups and downs in that journal. I'll tell you what, like um, it was actually last year I, I hit a point where I went from employed. So again, I did 15 years as a corporate employee to being self-employed. And I always just assumed, and this was a mistake, you should never assume, right? That I would do really good transitioning in that way because I was I was never late to work. I always got my job done. And then I had my side hustle that ended up turning into pod match becoming my full-time gig. But I was able to do that inside and I was able to manage that. But the first week I realized when I came home, I no longer had somebody who was going to call me or write me up if I didn't show up at 8 a.m. Not that I needed to start working at 8 a.m., but I no longer had that accountability in my life. And because of that, for about a month straight, so from like December through January, I'd say actually, probably closer to two months, I, I really started slipping. I, I still worked out, but it was just kind of whenever I felt like it. I woke up kind of whenever I felt like it because I didn't need an alarm anymore. And I realized that my performance as a, an entrepreneur was suffering because I no longer had something as simple as accountability or like a real need to have my time managed well. Because now I, had, I, was, I was working Podmatch two hours a day on average when I had the corporate job and working that eight hours a day. But now I just, I only had Podmatch. So I could probably get all the work done in about four hours. So it was just kind of like, ah, I guess I'll, I'll do it later. I'm going to go to the pool right now or I'm going to go play soccer because I love to do that or go to the beach. And those things aren't bad, but I had no structure around it. And it, it, this wasn't, again, this was a year ago. And that's when I realized that like, no, there was, a, there was something to keeping a journal and keeping myself on track that helped me actually succeed. And it, it took a little bit of work to get back to that, but that was a real low point for me when it comes to the way I was tracking myself. We just need to forget about everything. Put away our problems. Get along with each other. Personality traits. Yeah. So, I mean, again, I'm a real type A personality. Like I love to get things done. So checklists are like my love language. So I always enjoy having something to check off a list. And so when I decided to get back on the ball, if you will, with managing my time well, keeping a journal really well, I made some tweaks to it so I could almost have accountability built in through just a checklist. And so at first I just used a blank piece of paper. It was like an empty journal. But then I actually started going around to people that have like productivity journals and things like that. So I tried Brendan Bruchard's. I used Brandon Turner's from Bigger Pockets. And I actually ended up with Michael Hyatt's. It's called Full Focus Planner. And it really just helped me keep me on track because when I realized I started listening to these guys, Michael Hyatt's who I was most like personality-wise from listening to him were both executors, were both get things done type of people, very type A personality. And he had checklists built in there. So now my accountability to wake up is even that. I know like I'm thinking already at 7 a.m. I'm like, if I don't get up, I'm not gonna be able to check that off today. And that keeps me motivated and keeps me inspired. So again, I know you're asking about personality traits, but that's what keeps me really motivated moving forward. Other than that, like again, I'm, I'm an executioner is like, I think what it says on my Myers-Briggs or something like that is that I, I really focus on just getting tasks done. And I'm also very strategic. As you can tell, I think long-term, I think futuristically. And uh, yeah, that's a little about me and the way I, I lead as an entrepreneur. Maybe we should all just put away our problems, 
We just need to forget about everything. So you started alone, and what's your organizational structure today? Yeah, so I did. I did kind of start alone. I actually had a co-founder, so it was two of us, and we worked in okay. different cities. He was. We're both in Florida, but he was on one coast. I was on the other coast. We're pretty far from each other. And uh, since then, we've actually moved to the same city, which is nice. But um, yeah, so it was just me and him. He's the developer, so he's more like a technical founder, and I'm more sales, marketing, front of front of house, if you will. I love being on podcasts. I love talking to people, as we already kind of talked about. I'm, I'm I love being around people. So. Uh, and then from there, we actually really quickly realized that this thing was going to grow quick. So we actually hired two VAs. So we brought on two people to actually help us out. And we, we, we just hired them both part-time. One of them is actually full-time now, one's still part-time. But they help really manage some of the day-to-day stuff that just takes up time, right? Like it needs to be done, but it takes up time. And then I actually hired my wife, which I was super excited about because she is very, very high level. So I'm, I'm administrative, but not like her. She's on a whole different level. So she actually manages our team. And most recently, we brought on one more person who's like a creative person slash marketing. She's brilliant. So we brought her on to really help manage the, uh, the, the whole like front-facing side when it comes to social media and things like that. And then she's going to help with some strategy stuff as well. But yeah, so that, that's the team right now. So there's six of us. And uh, for right now, that's good. But we'll probably continue growing as, as time goes on. We just need to forget about everything. Put away our problems. Your sweetest dream and worst nightmare. <laughs> sweetest dream and worst nightmare. I think the uh, probably my my dream for this thing would be to really build something that again serves the world like that that's always me at my core so it needs to really be serving the world that's the most important thing to me for me i love podcasting like martin you and i are both podcasters and you know this it's a great industry like people for people really care about each other in this industry and i like that like podcasters will reach out and help each other so i knew i wanted to serve this industry and then ultimately i believe that podcast interviews are the ultimate way the world's being served right now i mean it is unaltered unchanged content that's just by independence for independence really serving the world well so for me what i see this thing doing is growing to 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 a really big size like ideally i'd like to see twenty five thousand members by the end of the year I think we're close to 18,000 when we're recording this and it's, it's growing every day, which is great. So really excited about that and wanting to, to see that happen because I believe it's just really going to propel the amount of people it's able to serve. And then at the end of the day, really automate some of it would be like a big dream. So for me, I can take a step back and make sure that I'm really involved with the people there to help just educate the industry and things like that. That would be my big dream. Um, and doing that on the beach somewhere. I live in Jacksonville, Florida. Just a couple minutes from the water, maybe a couple minutes closer would be really nice. So that's my real person. Like, you know, if I want to have a little uh, guilty pleasure in there as well. Um, worst nightmare, I would say, uh, would be realizing that what I'm doing isn't really impacting people, isn't really helping. And every day I do have like a little piece of that nightmare happen because we do marketing just like anybody else does. And there's always those people out there who I don't, I don't know why, but they just want to say something mean about anybody. And that hits every single day. So I feel a little piece of the nightmare every day. Like people being like, this is never going to work. This doesn't help anybody. Nobody wants that. Like that does happen. Maybe not daily, but every at least a couple times a week, I'm getting one of those emails. And I'm really big on, again, systems and things like that. So I actually took that ball out of my court, being the guy who sees that, because it, it was affecting me. Like, this is my baby. I built this to help people. And 18,000 people seem to agree. And every now and then someone doesn't, but it, it hurts. 
So my wife actually manages that inbox where those come through. So I don't actually have to see that too much. But my worst nightmare would be everyone turning and basically saying that. If that was the case, obviously, I would pivot and have to make a change. But that would really freak me out because at the end of the day, again, I'm here to serve people. And if I wasn't doing that, that would that would not be cool. Give me a sunlight, love me a morning. Give me a loving, stay till the morning. Give me a reason, give me a reason, give me a Sharing versus being egocentric. Yeah, so I have a, a personal philosophy, something I write down every day. I talk about that journal. I write down, Alex Sanfilippo seeks to be a person of value, not a person of profit. And I consistently have to remind myself of that, that I am here to add value to people's lives. And a byproduct of that potentially is profit. Doesn't always have to be, doesn't always amount to that. But then the day, I always want to seek value first, helping somebody, serving them, and then maybe profit will follow. And I do that because early in my early 20s, especially when I started getting the corporate world, I was doing really well. Um, I was successful for my age. And I started building a little bit of an ego. I started getting around people, like I said, and realized people liked me. That developed some really unhealthy mindsets for me in early, early 20s. And I think probably most people in their early 20s are that way. I believe maybe some of your listeners are maybe a little bit wiser than, than I was at that age. And maybe they're not like that. But for me, that was something I had to overcome. And, and when I finally did my life was more fulfilling. And I also feel that I left a bigger mark on the society that I care about. What would be your irresistible offer? Man, that, that's a great question. No one has ever asked me a question like that. And I have to think about that. Um, I think that if somebody offered me an opportunity once again to like to really serve people in the podcasting industry at a really high level, I think that'd be hard to pass up on. So like an example, not that I would do this if my co-founder listens to be like, dude, you can't leave. Like, and I wouldn't, but it would be hard for me to say no if someone like Spotify said, Hey, we'd like for you to lead the podcasting division of our company. That would be something that would be very intriguing to me because I believe I could really add a lot of value and help in a space like that. Social media, good and bad points. Oh gosh, I don't like social media very much. I mean, I use it, um, but it's 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 addictive, right? Like me being a habit-driven person, like I have to be really careful on there. So I actually took all social media off my phone. So I mentioned one of that latest person that I hired for our company, her name's Susanna, and she actually she runs all my social media and she tells me like if I have a message, she'll put it in Trello, which is where we manage it, and be like, here's the message, and you can respond in Trello, and then she'll go respond to it. Like I don't even use it all anymore. Now, I do think it's a very powerful tool, but at the same time, like I'm saying, it can really hinder you. It's good to make sure that you're using and contributing, but you cannot just be a consumer because many people, we, we, we think we're going to go on there and do something. We do one thing for maybe just a minute or two, and we spend an hour scrolling through something. So you have to be very careful. It's very dangerous, but when used properly, it can be great for your business. It's been really good for me. And like Podmatch, we just bought out a company and we inherited a, along with that, a 6,500 person Facebook group. It's been great for our business, really good for us. But again, we had to build some structure around it, some consistency when we're going to check it because it could consume all of our lives completely and we could never develop the product any further because we could just be in the responding all day. So you have to be very careful with it. But I do think, again, social media, a powerful tool if you use it properly. If not, it's going to really take over your life. Generation Z and 50 plus people. 
very different people, right? <laughs> Gen Absolutely. Z and, and 50 plus. Yeah, very different. I mean, I'm a millennial uh, in my 30s and I'm really different than Gen Z even. Like it, it's totally different. Um, and I actually read a book about it because I wanted to better understand that generation. And I know that the 50 plus generation is actually technically there's more people that are 50 plus than people that are in Gen Z. Uh, that, that's like the biggest generation to, to date, I believe, um, which is interesting. I, I don't know if that's the first time in history that now there's a smaller generation coming up from a previous one. I've never heard of that and I haven't done a ton of research on it. But I do know that the connection uh, seems to be getting closer and closer. Like they seem to be filling the gap. And why I say that is because 50 plus, that's, that's like my parents' age and stuff like that. Like they live very differently than Gen Z is living now. But we're finding that as the markets turn their marketing to Gen Z, that the older generations are coming alongside to really support Gen Z. Like we're seeing that. Like as ways you can tell that is like people are more purpose driven than they've ever been. People want to see what's going on behind a company. Like the idea of B two B is changing more to what I call H to H, so human to human. And there's more communities building around things. We we care about people more. There's more honesty it seems. And really, if you actually look at the the world, there's a guy who wrote a book called Factfulness. And he looked at it and the world's actually getting better and safer, regardless of what news and media show you, right? Uh, And I'm not going to get into all that. But it's actually, if you look at the statistics, the world is getting better and safer. And I believe that Gen Z is actually really driving that. So I'm interested to seeing what this generation does and the connection of 50 plus has with them. But it's been really good so far, I'd say. The future of podcasting. The future of podcasting, I believe, is really bright. Um, First and foremost, I believe that podcasting is still on the rise the way it is. And we can see that through a couple things. Number one being that there are more listeners joining the ranks of podcasting every day than actual podcast hosts themselves. So there's less shows getting started than new listeners joining in, which is great news for everyone who has a podcast. At the same time, the barrier to entry from new people to join podcasting gets easier and easier. I mean, every month right now. It was like the first because podcasting has been around for 20 years, which is crazy to think about. But the first 15 years, I feel like nothing really changed in it at all. And the last five have been crazy. I mean, my company, like nothing like this existed five years ago. Like that wasn't even around. Your best bet for finding people was, I guess, search the Internet. Right. So things have changed a lot. And then there's apps like Clubhouse coming along and, and Mark Cuban's uh, Fireside, like those things come along. And I think a lot of people thought maybe that would replace podcasting, but we've actually found that it's elevated more people to start listening to podcasts. It's kind of like an entry-level podcast, if you will. I don't think that's why they designed it. They probably designed it to replace podcasting, but it's actually shown that those apps have made more people decide to listen to podcasting. So I can't speak for the, the, the indefinite future, but let's just say in the next five years, for sure, I see podcasting really growing and going some great places. If you want to find out more about me, podmatch.com, as we kind of already referenced, that's my company. If you have a podcast or want to be a guest on podcasts, go check that out. There's a free membership there. Additionally, I'm also a podcast host. and All that can be found at creatingabrand.com. That's where you can find everything I do. I like to keep that pretty simple for everybody. Uh, but really, Martin, I love what you're doing here with 21st Century Entrepreneurship. Uh, I've been listening to the show. I actually did one with uh, Jeff Walker. And it was just it was talking about the biggest launches in history. Really cool. Good episode. Enjoyed it. So I, look, I recommend it to all the listeners today. Stick with what Martin's doing here. He's really taking you guys places and, and learning a lot himself. So thanks again for having me. This was really an honor. Thanks, Alex. I like your mind a lot. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> 
21st Century Entrepreneurship with Martin Piskorik.